From the east side to the west, this is From the Land, the Cleveland Sports and More podcast. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and tonight we talk NFL Draft, Guardians Baseball, NBA Playoffs, and bands you may not know, but should. I am joined tonight by two of the best ever. Co-host Phil Denko is here. Hey, Gerbs. Thanks for having me. You bet, buddy. Game day music and sound effect coordinator, Chuck Rambaldo, joining Whoa. us as well. You had me at game day music. I'm interested to hear about the sound effects, though. Well, Chucky, pack your bags for Oregon because the oh. Portland Pickles are looking for <laughs> someone to work together with announcers and on-field hosts to create a database of approved sound to use during live gameplay. The Pickles play in the Wild West League, a wood bat league for Division II and three college players. Whoa. The only requirement for this job, according to the Indeed post, you must love pickles. <laughs> Do. I love all sorts of pickles. <laughs> right. Looking for jobs with pickles? We got them at Indeed.com. Does it list a salary? Oh, it's can't like be much. 20, 22000 a year or something like that. Yeah. It, wow. It's not get, much. Do you get like free pickles? that's true <laughs> I, I almost guarantee you pay me in pickles, pickles. <laughs> and i would highly recommend checking out the portland pickles website it's pretty good it's everything you nice. want a minor league website to be can, or actually can it's we not get, even like a minor league team it's like an independent league right, right. Yeah. can we get the pickles to play the savannah bananas i think this could be like a great cross-country yeah. uh rivalry and bananas <laughs> yeah. you wouldn't think they're a match made in heaven but you would be wrong yeah, that's right <laughs> Ask a pregnant woman. <laughs> Whitney. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right, fellas, let's get rolling. We're going to do things a little bit different tonight. I'd like to start the show by talking about the NFL draft and the Browns. And then we come back for our second on the road segment. We'll visit the Guardians who are just wrapping up a road trip. And then we'll head off the field and, and talk a little bit of music. So the NFL draft wrapped up this weekend in sunny Las Vegas. The big story, I think, of the first round was just the sheer volume of trades. Washington traded the 11th pick to New Orleans for the 16th pick and some others. Minnesota traded number 12 to Detroit for number 32 and some others. Houston traded number 13, which they got from the Browns in a trade, to Philadelphia for number 15 and some others. Arizona traded number 23 and a fourth to the Ravens for Marquise Brown. The Eagles traded number 18 and a fourth to the Titans for A.J. Brown. The Chiefs traded number 29 and a third and fourth to the Patriots for 21. Baltimore traded number 23, which they only had for like an hour, to Buffalo for number 25 and some others. Then Tennessee traded number 26 to the Jets for a second round pick and some other stuff. Final trade of the first round, Tampa Bay trades number 27 to the Jags for a second round pick and some other stuff. That was a lot. So why so many trades? Because the talent that was available in the draft or because all the GMs watched draft day that morning? <laughs> I'm going to bet that none of the GMs watched draft day that morning. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That was interesting. I, it, it set a record for first round trades. Uh, it was great to just kind of catch it a bit on TV because even the TV announcers had no idea who was on the clock. <laughs> like it kept right. changing. Yeah. Like we don't know. Yeah. Oh, look, it's the lions. I don't know. It was a weird draft. I think maybe the positions that were deep in this particular draft being wide receiver, defensive line, you just had a lot of, a lot of volume of, of those kind of players that, you're making trades because someone's probably sitting there thinking like, all right, man, we've got this 10th pick in the first round in the receiver we're staring at. We've got him graded at the same level as the next six receivers, which we might be able to get in the third round, you know? So you start, you start yeah. trading ground, collecting draft capital, that kind of thing. So, and then everyone started doing it. It was, it was pretty crazy. So I, I think it had more to do with the talent in this year's draft. 
uh, than anything else. I think Phil's right there, uh, though I hope every GM watched draft day, at least leading up to the draft, maybe <laughs> not the morning of, they might be a little busy. Most of the grades, you saw these guys, they probably, like like Phil said, th- they can get a guy at the same level of talent, at least what they're seeing, uh, for a lot cheaper farther down. And you talk about the teams who came up, who were they? Detroit? Jacksonville, the Jets, the Jets bounce so, back. Yeah. So, so typically yeah. not great organizations the last couple of years uh, mm-hmm. were the ones coming up to, to snag as many players as they possibly could, where value uh, seemed to be pretty great too on, on a lot of those trade downs, especially if you, you think you're getting guys who are going to contribute just as much as a guy at 13 you can get them in the second round or whatever. It just, yeah. it made sense for a lot of guys to, to just bow out. Yeah. I would say from top to bottom, there's just a really strange first round. I didn't pay too much attention on Friday and Saturday to what was happening with, with like the league as a whole. I was kind of tracking what the Browns were doing, obviously, but it seems like a draft where there are a lot of good players and no great players. I guess if you feel like you've got the need, you you make the move to go get one of the good players because you're afraid they're going to be gone later. I don't know. It's kind of what you were saying last week, Chuck, I thought about a lot, like watching that first round was you're making moves from maybe less expense than you would have in other drafts because there aren't as many desirable players that people are gunning for. But like all in all, it was kind of, other than the fact that there was a flurry of trades, I don't know, just kind of a lame first round evening other than the trades. I thought, you know, nothing really earth shattering, nothing groundbreaking happening, just kind of a very, maybe lame is the wrong word. Maybe vanilla is better, you yeah, know, something yeah. like that. A- any storyline, team, pick, anything like that that stood out for you this entire weekend? As much as it pains me to say, I think the Ravens had a great draft. I'm so a sick team. of hearing that. Yeah, like right. And it's the same story. Assholes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, but the this same story that players somehow fall to them who are perfect fits for their team. Obviously it's usually always defensive, you know, to get, I think they got this, the safety from Notre Dame who was considered like a top five pick. He fell to them. And then they grabbed the kid from Michigan. Who's a top 15 pick. If he didn't blow out his knee or Achilles or whatever it was, guy probably doesn't play this year, but next year, they got a, they got a top 15 pick. So uh, that, that to me was probably the biggest storyline that, and I actually felt watching it, Pretty good for the Jets, you know, a team that that really sucks uh, really bad. And it seemed like they drafted really well. They drafted for need. They were aggressive when they needed to be. They had a ton of picks. So, I mean, maybe it's the Browns fan in me who, you know, like, oh, man, you know, this team typically drafts shitty like my team. But they they seem to get it right, at least on paper. It looked like they got it right this weekend. Yeah. yeah. The storylines I paid attention to because quite different than any other year we didn't have to worry about the Browns making a pick until, until late, late Friday. You know, yeah. I was looking at interdivision drafts and Chuck's right. The Ravens, they had a le- they got 11 picks in the seven round draft. They had 11 picks. 10 of them occurred before the end of the fourth round. That's insane. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, they, they had, they had two ones, a two, a three, and like six fours. <laughs> like it was yeah. insane. <laughs> like yeah. a, Baker's dozen of yeah, fours. like what? And so, <laughs> so a team that historically just plugs and plays the same kind of defensive players, wide receivers, that kind of stuff. That's what they got. I'm like, oh man, they had a really good draft this year. On the flip side of that, and and you know, time will tell. But I thought our friends over in Pittsburgh had a good good draft that showed how desperate they are. It's a good storyline drafting Kenny Pickett because he's you know he just has to move over a locker room at, at that stadium. Right. But no quarterback in this draft probably should have gone in the first round and and then another yeah. one didn't go until the third round after he was drafted and I, I think that's just a good sign for 
for us in that the Steelers are going to have to struggle for a bit and figure out their quarterback room. Now, you know, maybe luck shines on them, on them like it always does. And one of those guys plays well, but I don't know. Like I felt like that pick in that first round, I was like, wow, they passed up on a lot of wide receiver talent to get a quarterback that might already be playing at his highest level. And I think is the same age as Trubisky who they just signed. It's like, okay, those two things I was paying attention to. I'm so sick of hearing about how great the Ravens are at drafting. And it's not because it's not true. I'm just sick of it happening every year. And I thought the same thing about like taking Pickett. It's just, we've been there for 20 years where you you've got to take a quarterback in the first round and take a shot. And that was Brandon Whedon. Brandon Whedon should have never been a first round pick, but we needed a quarterback and, you know, he was one. And so we took, (laughs) (laughs) that's questionable. Um, If he was one, right. (laughs) He was a better baseball player. (laughs) To me, it was strange to see the willingness to trade young wide receivers for picks in that Mm. first round, AJ Brown Mm. and Marquise Brown are both only 24 proven nfl talent and they moved for like mid to late first round picks and then like a little bit more in in later rounds and that just really surprises me and i don't know if i think aj brown has had some injury concerns maybe about the only thing you'd be concerned about with that guy or the fact that they're just going to come off their rookie deals in a year or two or something like that and they were going to need to get paid I don't know if teams are saying let's move on from these receivers before we have to pay them because we can get, especially in this draft, maybe we can get a good rookie wide receiver and we can save money there. I don't know if that's like a, something that's changing in the NFL, but I think you're, you're absolutely right when it comes to that, because you're seeing salary growth exponentially at the wide receiver position. Like, you know, quarterback is always going to continue to go up, but with some of these deals and some of these guys, like, like Jarvis Landry thought he was going to get 20 million. Is he worth 20 million? I don't think so. And I don't, is, no. is Hollywood Brown all that great? Like I was surprised they got a first for him. Is he, I mean, and I know he's, he's had a few decent games. I think what you're seeing yeah, is, is like the economics of it is like, do we want to pay this guy 25 million a year to 30 million a year where we might be able to draft somebody who's maybe a smidge, not as great as he is, but we can get him for 10 million for four years. Like I assume that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. I mean, the the Titans traded AJ Brown and then promptly drafted Traylon Burks from Arkansas and basically just replaced. Yeah. Just replaced AJ Brown with (laughs) a younger guy on a rookie contract. Right. So that's exactly what they did. All right. Well, let's go into Brown movements. Look (laughs) at the draft from the Cleveland Browns perspective. The Browns got into the trading game right away, trading their only second round pick before they ever had a chance to use it. But once they started picking, they did enough picking in the third round for the whole weekend. So in the third round, they got a cornerback, two edge defenders, and a wide receiver. In the fourth round, they got a defensive tackle and a kicker. Fifth round, a running back, sixth round, wide receiver, seventh round, defensive and an offensive lineman. Cade York was the kicker drafted in the fourth round out of LSU. He's the highest drafted kicker since 2016 and was considered the best kicker in this year's class. And I would certainly hope so, because I would hate to think the Browns were taking a flyer in the fourth round (laughs) on like the third best kicker in the draft. 15 for 19 in his college career on kicks of 50 yards or more, generally considered to be a very clutch kicker while he was with LSU. Chuck, is Cade York your favorite LSU player since Shaq? (laughs) It depends. Ask me in like November, December, if he hits a 50 yarder at home to win a game. Maybe. I mean, I'm, I'm happy. Kid, he's got a great leg. That's for sure. 
and I'm hoping it works out. Like I know it's different to kick in Cleveland. That's everybody says uh, with the wind swirling and such, but I hope he's this guy because it's been an Achilles heel for them. They haven't had a great kicker since you know who, and I'm trying to say his name less and less because people never shut the f- up about Phil Dawson. I get it. Right. Like let's stop talking about Phil Dawson and let's start talking more about Kate York. <laughs> Bill, did you, did you ever think you'd be this excited to hear the Browns had drafted a kicker in the fourth round? No, I'm glad they did in hindsight, honestly, because I, I think maybe this guy would have gone before the Browns fifth round pick after the Browns drafted a kicker, like three punters went off the board before our fifth round pick. Like what the hell? Yeah. Um, I never thought I'd be this excited. I'm, I'm excited because this is such a, this has been such a problem for this team in the last few years when we, when we started to feel like, all right, we got a pretty good team here. We've got a good offense. We've got a good defense. And last season is a great example. We're one or two games away from a completely different outcome of the season, right? Winning the division, two game difference. And how many games are we losing because we're doinking field goals off the upright or, or missing extra points and these kind of things. So that's good. I was looking, I think one of the the other higher rated uh, kickers in the draft was the guy from NDCL that played for Texas A&M or whatever, but he did not get drafted. So they can bring him in. Yeah. As a, yeah, right. Bring them in a little competition. competition. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Cream rises to the top (laughs) or whatever. I love it. You know what? It seems weird to me to draft a kicker in the fourth round. It's like, if you've ever played in a fantasy league where you have to pick a kicker, you know, it's like the last round, you know, you never spend anything real on a kicker, but I'll tell you what, it is an area of need and it has probably cost them games in the last few years. And if there's a guy out there that they think can actually do it and do it at a high level, go get them. How many fucking games has Matt Stover won for the Ravens? Yeah. Is that the guy's name? That's his well, name it was right? like 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. like, like he won games for them 20 years ago. He did a lot. Who's, who's the current <laughs> yeah. kicker that's so he won a lot of games for them? What's the current kicker's name uh, for the Ravens that's so damn good? Let's look through the supercomputer. Yeah, get super oh gosh now we're i didn't mean for us to stop like this i'm just gonna cut this whole section but yeah the right. guy's no. awesome he kicked like a 63 yard field goal to justin win tucker them. justin yeah. tucker, justin tucker. yeah there it is mother tucker right, well maybe the matt stover <laughs> thing will be funnier <laughs> I yeah that. i don't for sure <laughs> yeah i think they filled a need why not use that pick to go to go get a kicker because it's somebody who could immediately impact wins and losses this season part of it too was the way the fourth round unfolded they they had a high pick in the fourth round and got a defensive tackle from oklahoma that was graded as like a top of the second round kind of guy so you get him early in the round then you you have like this bonus pick in the fourth round like all right what's a position of need right great kicker let's get it yeah yeah and i wonder if it was their plan all along like I, i know that they worked this dude out you read some stuff in like the in the cleveland news this weekend and they talked about how the special teams coaching staff went and like met with this kid and wanted to get to know the kind of person he was wanted to see in person like how he was kicking if they're willing to do that right that they must be serious about the decision to use a pick on it which is smart and doesn't seem like it would be that novel an idea but it's not always the way the browns have done things overall what do you think about the Browns moves this weekend? At the end of the day, I, I think I'm happy. Uh, I'll, I'll, I guess we all reassess as the season goes on and at the end of the season. But I love the draft, especially as a Browns fan. It's It used to be the highlight of the year. And I got to wait till day two to see a pick. And then I see they trade the pick. And I was... I was somewhat disappointed right in that moment. I was like, oh, yeah. God bless it. I've been waiting for two days for a pick. <laughs> uh, but but overall, you know, the cornerback, I thought, 
all right, are they taking the best guy available? Because I don't know if we need a court, but it makes more sense after they they trade uh, Troy Hill back to the Rams that they took that dude. Uh, but overall, I mean, they took positions of need. I, I really like the receiver they got. I think the D tackle from Oklahoma that we're talking about, that guy seems like yeah. an animal. I love his the attitude. I think pick, the city's yeah. going to love that guy. And then, you know, like Project 6th, 7th, I don't know if any of those guys stick. Maybe the right. running back does. I know he can catch out of the backfield, and he'll probably replace Kareem Hunt or um, – Who's the other guy? Shit. Demetric DeFelton? Well, not him. The other one. <laughs> the other guy, too. Dearness um, to Johnson? Dearness to yes, Johnson. Yes, <laughs> I, I think you'll see guys who will contribute from day one. Uh, if you get two, well, three, probably. I'm assuming the D-tackle, the wide receiver, and the kicker are all starters day one. Hey, considering they don't have a pick in the first two rounds, that's not too shabby. I was happy with what the Browns did uh, in the draft and in the undrafted free agent signings afterwards they got a ton of wide receivers a ton so there's some raw talent out there there's some proven talent i think in the draft itself after the after the super tall corner they drafted first they basically drafted a defensive end that is a younger version of Jadavian Clowney, and then they drafted a wide receiver in david bell who's a younger version of jarvis landry so i'm like okay they they have two players that actually play the same style of game of these two vets that maybe one of them comes back next year, maybe none of them, but definitely not both of them. Right. So I, I, I really like that. I thought uh, they did a good job with that. I took a deeper dive today with the undrafted free agents and we, we signed some wide receiver out of what used to be one double a. So what is it? The FCS now from yeah. uh, North Northern Iowa who outpaced everybody in the NFL combine this year, everybody. He's like a physical freak. He's like six foot four, 210, ran the fastest 40, jumped the furthest, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's like a he, DK Metcalf type. Right, of right. Athlete, now, right. Now he played at that FCS level at Northern Iowa, you know, but, but at the same time, like, all right, why not take a flyer on that dude? Like get him into camp and just yeah. see what he's got all this raw talent. So it's interesting. I think at the, at, with the draft and their signings, they had some ridiculous number of wide receivers, like six. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, they're going to, they're going to round out that room one way or another. Yeah, so they, they know what the problems are. Overall, I just thought this was the most inconsequential draft of the last 20 years. It's the yeah. really the first time in a very, very long time where it doesn't feel, at least on paper, like they need to fill a lot of holes. This roster should be fantastic. It should be. We'll see if it is. We thought last year's was going to be, and it was disappointing. Yeah. But when you get that good a roster all of a sudden the draft doesn't feel like it's that important a thing where we used to need five guys to come out of the draft and immediately impact the team and win help us win games we're talking right now about a kicker being maybe the most important yeah. pick yeah. you know because that's a need that that may help win games immediately i guess it's a good thing that it was an inconsequential draft but it does sound like they stayed true to what they have been the last couple of years they're smart and aggressive when they need to be and we'll see hopefully some of these guys that they're taking shots on work out uh hopefully they can fill the spots that need to be filled and everybody else plays awesome and i think we probably still have like 30 million in cap space so we can sign a few more players if we want to they've given stefanski everything he should need right to take this yeah. team deep into the playoffs now it's just mm -hmm. up to him to to figure out how and a lot of pressure on done. that guy this year right that's where mm -hmm. all the pressure yeah. is now it's all yeah, on that guy for sure yeah. Uh, which is a little bit scary because, again, we don't want Jimmy 
being too quick with the trigger finger and like getting rid of Stefanski at some point, if it doesn't immediately work out the way they want. Hey, with that fellas, we're going to wrap up our draft conversation and uh, take our first break, come back and talk some guardians. Welcome back fellas to our second segment. We'll head out on the road and we'll go on the road with the guardians. Week cap recapping the week for the Cleveland guardians and fellas let's go streaking. Guardians started the week with a four-game losing streak against the Angels, but came back on the weekend and started a three-game win streak by sweeping the A's. They finished the week 10 and 12, second in the Central Division. That seven-game losing streak was not fun. Cause to panic or just a bad week? Uh, I think a little bit of both with a young team, but I'm pretty sure when I was I was watching some of the game today and reading some stuff that only one series so far this year has not been a sweep for the Indi- or the guard. Sorry, it's pronounced the Guardians. Uh, either they get swept or they sweep. There's only one series they played that that hasn't ended that. that way. So it might be cause for concern <laughs> that you're either going to lose three or four in a row. Or sounds like a 500 team, just like we said, right? <laughs> yeah. Phil, what do you think? Panicked or it's just a bad week? Just a bad week. Although I, I think you know we've alluded to this already. This is the type of team that we're going to see go on losing streaks and then winning streaks. And at the end of the day, might end up with about 80 to 85 wins if we're lucky, right? Like that's just the way it, it, it's going to pan out. It's been crazy though, how they've done this and, and, and stacking two sweeps in the losing category in a row feels really bad, right? Cause that's a yeah. week worth of yeah. just, you lost yeah. every game. And I think of those seven games, there were only two that we were even in that they were one or two run games and then the rest of them, we couldn't even find our offense. So concerned during it, of course, because we couldn't hit at all. And then all of a sudden they completely recorrect and, and hit the ball all over the place in the next series. So what did they end April, a couple games under 500. And, yeah. and we kind of talked about that too. Like, all right, they're right where we thought they'd be. It'd be nice to, you know, those sweeps we're losing win one game. You don't have to win the series, win one game. And, and then go ahead and sweep Oakland after that again. <laughs> you know, Try not to get swept. Should yeah, be the goal right. or, yeah. yeah. You know, I don't, I don't think I'm that panicked. I don't think I'm, I watched games this week and I actually didn't watch many games because they were all on after my bedtime, but I don't think in reading about them afterwards and watching highlights, I got the sense that, oh man, that this team is just shitty. And I was wrong at the beginning of the year to think that they'd be good or better than they were last year. And I, I don't see that. Part of this is they just ran into two really good teams the yankees just started to heat up their bats when the guardians got to new york and they've been killing the ball against us and against everybody else they played this week and the angels are in first place too so i mean you're talking about running into two first place teams maybe who are both playing well to start the year and the guardians just aren't don't quite have it together yet so i don't see any cause for panic they had a nine game losing streak i think at one point last year and they still won 80 games. So you're going to have these streaks. Maybe we're having it now instead of in the middle of July or something like that. So I'm not too worried about it. It was nice to see them start hitting this weekend. As long as we're going to talk about hitting, let's talk hats for bats. Our three <laughs> best hitters this past week, Richie Palacios. All he does is hit and wear glasses, hitting 300 for the week. Andres Jimenez, eight hits and six RBIs this week. Miles Straw, eight hits and five walks. Who gets your hat for bat this week? I was leaning towards Andres Jimenez. That guy, you got to keep him in the lineup the way he's playing now. You know, I know he's he's been bouncing between a couple positions in the field. He he played shortstop mostly in Oakland. He has just been hitting the ball 
every game. I mean, even, even today he was two for five. I was just looking yep. at it like, you know, so he had multiple hit games. He had the grand slam the other night. I mean, you, yep. you got this guy knowing he was a top tier defensive shortstop and now he's flashing this offensive side of his game. You keep him in that lineup until you see otherwise. So he, he wins my hat for bat for the week. It's a good one. That lineup today, I think is what their lineup should be kind of moving forward. I think Jimenez had the best week that grand slam. The most exciting thing that happened all week was that won somebody a car, uh, which yeah, is right. super exciting. Yeah, the radio crazy. call was the most exciting thing yeah. I heard yeah. all week. Um, the obvious one, but how do you pronounce the kid name? The outfielder with a P? P- what? Richie Palacios? Yeah, Palacios. Palacios. It's another, hey, we had no idea who was playing the outfield other than Straw. And now we might have two guys who could play out there. And this kid hit pretty well this week. You know, I know he had a huge hit in one of the games. Um, yeah. But if, if you're solidifying an outfield that was like a hit mark with, with two young guys, I'll give it to him this week. I'm going with Miles Straw. His numbers are just so perfect for a leadoff hitter. Eight hits and five walks this week. You know, he's on base like crazy, doing exactly what you want a, a leadoff hitter to do. I think that's fantastic. I think the Jimenez thing is getting really interesting, especially when you talk about him at the same time as Owen Miller, it seems like we may be running out of middle infield spots. Are you starting to feel like you'd rather have Jimenez and Miller up the middle rather than bigger beard Rosario, even though he's a, he's played solid for us since he got here last year. Is he the odd man out now? I like big beard Rosario. I, I, I do, but I think with what this team's doing, you're letting kids play. And if there's any value to him, move him. And what do you need? Do you need a, a veteran who can help? Like we talked about last week, is it bullpen help? Is it something along those lines? I think if you're going to commit to everybody being a kid, except for like basically you Ram, why not? You know, like if he's worth something, move him. We've all agreed, like they're going to let kids play. Then I want to see this kid play. And what is, we know what big beard Rosario's ceiling is at this point. I don't know what Jimenez is. I'd rather see that. What's interesting is you got a, you've got a couple things happening at the same time. You, you've got Josh Naylor splitting time between right field and first base. When he's in right field, Owen Miller's at first. So that opens up a middle infield spot. So you've got right. Jimenez and bigger beard Rosario up the middle. And then when Naylor's at first, you're putting Mercado out there, who's having a pretty good start to the season too. You, you know, So you've got those bigger beard Rosario and Oscar Mercado are kind of in that all right, one of those guys might work their way out of the lineup. One of them might work their way into it. And maybe we stick with a, a nailer in right field and an Owen Miller at first base to get the best bats in the lineup uh, going forward. And, you know, I think that's what they're doing. Like Chuck said, like they're trying to figure out like, all right, let's see what Owen Miller and Jimenez look like, because if their mainstays for this season, that changes where we're putting guys in the field because we've got to keep the the depth in the, in the, um, in the batting order. So you might see a season where Owen Miller ends up playing more first base than second base because maybe the best option is Jimenez, Rosario, Miller, and then Naylor is out there in right field. Jimenez is a, I think, a massive defensive upgrade over Rosario, a shortstop. Yeah. Like the yeah. one problem we've always had with yeah. Rosario is he is not a good defensive shortstop. I mean, I guess I don't know enough about like how good Owen Miller is in the field. I've never seen him be terrible. I've never seen him be great, I guess. But I think I'd make him a move for some defense there if Jimenez is hitting as well or a little bit better than Rosario. Put him at short and get that defensive upgrade because they can certainly need it, man. They they still make some bad defensive plays. 
Um, they had a weird one today, or maybe it was yesterday against Oakland, where they had a double play ball that just went through the infield because the shortstop and the second baseman didn't communicate who was going to get it. Um, like they both like went to the bag almost like yeah. that kind of shit can't happen. It's interesting. I have a feeling sooner rather than later, we may see uh bigger beard Rosario on the way out. Jimenez is getting too good as, as you guys were saying to keep on the bench too much longer. Maybe not too good. Fran Mill Reyes one hit and 17 strikeouts this week. Real quick. What does he need to do to fix his swing? Chuck. You're asking me? I don't know, man. Guy, man, that's a lot of K's. He has yeah. 35 already, I think, this year. And I know he's a windmill. Like we talked about this last year, but I don't know how you fix that swing. It's it's long. He's gigantic. You know a guy like that is feast or famine. He's gonna hit jacks or he's gonna strike out, which is a an issue, a larger issue that baseball has accepted. But how do you fix it? Tell them to go. The, I don't know. People just say, go the other way. When you're getting long, try to go the other way. That's what I remember from like, a, just try to hit the ball the opposite field. You know, I, I don't know, man, but 35 K's already. Uh, I don't know what that it's pace is. I'm, I'm not great at math, um, but it's, you know, it's a lot. So yeah, I, I don't know how you fix a swing that long from a man that large. Hey, maybe lay down a bunt and try to beat it out. <laughs> <laughs> He went home. He, he got scored from third on a pass ball today. That yeah. was all oh, right, man. See, would not want to be the pitcher coming back to cover no. home play with that dude barreling down the line. No, thank you. Phil, what do you think? Words of wisdom for Fran Mill to help him get out of his current slump. Chuck's on to something. I think Fran Mill Reyes, when we've seen him at his best in the short time he's been with Cleveland, is when he's hitting the ball to all fields, namely hitting the ball to opposite field and, and not hitting, you know, he's not that just, home run power hitting. I mean, he'll get his fair share, right? But he's not hitting 40 home runs. This guy, when he was at a, at his best for us, would hit the ball all over the place, the occasional home run, RBIs, just put the ball in play. And he's not doing that right now. So going to the opposite field, I think is the right suggestion. I think what's going to happen outside of that though, and that you saw it a little bit today, they're just going to continue to drop him down the lineup as they should, because you can't have that windmill as your protection for Jose Ramirez. Like that's, yeah. Jose Ramirez was walked twice today with guys on and two outs or no out or whatever it was. It was like, what, they're not even, they're not going to pitch to that guy. You, you know, you need yeah. some protection there and, and whoever that might be, it, it can't be the way Fran Mill's playing right now. The knock on Fran Mill when he came was that these high strikeout numbers. And I honestly think we didn't see it as much last year as we yeah. expected to. And it's almost like he's regressed back to that this year. And I don't know, maybe, maybe this is just a bad slump or maybe last year, was just one good year for him or something like that. Like one out of character year. And this is who he's going to be. Eh, I don't know. It's not great. Uh, next week, boy, San Diego and Toronto are both coming to town for series next week. They're both really good. Phil, what do you think is more likely losing streak or winning streak? Oh boy. <laughs> so we just got off a winning streak. So we're due for a sweep. So I, I'm going to think uh, we're going to start the week with a losing streak. I think we face Clevenger on Tuesday too. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Chuck, what about you? Losing streak or winning streak? Well, we're on a winning streak right now. <laughs> That's right. So I'm going to play the odds and say, I'm, we'll keep that train rolling, uh, even though I, I don't think it's going to be that great for them this week. But I'm, we're on a winning streak, so I'm playing the odds that they just carried over a little a little bit. Because one more game continues a win streak. That's right. One more win. That's it. All you got to do is win on Tuesday. Go Guardians. I think this is going to be a really tough week. Let's move on to another on-the-road topic. Let's talk the NBA playoffs. More games than May has tulips. 
Huh? Ew. No? Ew. All right. NBA playoffs. Picking and rolling like a little kid who thinks no one is looking. <laughs> That's good. I like that one. <laughs> Round one ends without any series going to a seventh game, proving that I'm right. Uh, it also ends with no surprises, no upsets in any of the series. The second round of the NBA playoffs kicked off today. First game was Bucks versus Celtics. Bucks looked really good in a solid game one win against the Celtics in Boston today. Who's winning the series, Chuck? I watched uh, most of that game today and real physical game. Not what you're used to seeing in the NBA. Not a whole lot of kind of ugly sometimes, but maybe it's the crowd too in Boston that they overreact to basically fucking everything. I, I still think the, the secretly shitty Bucks should win this. Uh, Giannis is the best player on the planet. Um, uh, and and even their role players played really well today, uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take the secretly shitty Bucks to win this one. Yeah, I think the Bucks are winning the series. I mean, it's the the adage is that the series doesn't start until the road team wins. Well, they got off to a good start then, didn't they? <laughs> they, they won today. <laughs> the series has started, so uh, they're in the driver's seat. Um, they just have to win home games now when they win the series. So I'll I'm leaning towards the Bucks as of right now. I think this one's really, really close. I think I'm going to go with the Celtics, man. I think they've been playing the best basketball of anybody in the league for like the last two months. Even though they lost game one at home, that's that's tough. But um, I think the Celtics can take that series. Next game, Warriors versus Memphis this afternoon. Absolutely fantastic game. Best part of the whole thing was Draymond Green getting thrown out two minutes into the game. <laughs> that yep. never gets old. Warriors still won. That always gets old. Phil, who's winning this series? Man, uh, probably the Warriors for the same reason, right? They won the game on the road. It was a it was a great game. I watched the entire second half of that game, and I'm I'm excited to watch this series because I like watching John Morant play basketball. I was always always an Allen Iverson fan uh, through his entire, like, even when he was in Georgetown. I thought, all right, this guy, this kid's awesome. And then in the NBA, uh, and John Morant game reminds me somewhat of Allen Iverson. So I think it's going to be a really good series. I think the Warriors win it. And it comes down to their experience because I think Memphis is right there, man. They're, they're a young team. What are they? They're the two seed, I think, right? Like they're going to be someone to reckon with for the next handful of years, but maybe not this year. I agree with Phil completely. I watched most of that game too, as well today. And you, you got the ball in Jaws hands and he went a little too strong. It was, you know, like that's the only takeaway I had And, and what it is, is it feels right. It's experience. The reason I think the Warriors win this series is because they've been here before against younger upstart teams or young superstars or whatever, and they're playing really well. And Jordan Jordan Poole came out of like, this guy is a a real NBA player all of a sudden uh, on a team full of real NBA players. So uh, they didn't need another one. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. As much as it pains me uh, to say the Warriors, I think they win this series. I think it'll be a great one. I think it'll be super athletic and fun to watch, but I think I'll be disappointed that the Warriors win. Yeah, I'm I'm all in with you guys. The, the Warriors are just a little bit too much for what Memphis is today. Uh, next year might be a different story, but I think the Warriors are going to win that series too. Tomorrow night, second round continues. Miami Heat versus the Philadelphia 76ers. No Embiid for at least the first two games of that series. Can James Harden lead the 76ers to a win at least once in these first two games? I don't think so. And maybe it's, I let, I know we like to use the term recency bias. This season's kind of been a cluster for him. You thought he was where he was supposed to be. It didn't work in Brooklyn. He came here. Embiid is the heart and soul of that team, and he's missing two games. 
And James Harden's doughy, man. Like he just doesn't, you know, like it doesn't mean he's not going to get shots and get points, but whoever the guy you said last week scored like almost 30 is, is that dude's got to put up like yeah. 40 for them to compete. Maxie? So yeah. I don't yeah. think so. Yeah. Maxi. Thank you. I don't, I don't think Harden can carry it. He's never carried a team ever. Why would he carry this one? Who do you got winning that series, Chuck? He, I'm going to lean towards Miami winning the series because Embiid's out for at least two games. Um, and that's just really to clear concussion protocol with the orbital fracture. Who knows, man? Like I, that's one of those, that's one of those injuries that if he clears protocol, he's probably coming back with a, a mask on too. So it'd be like, of course, yeah. it'd be like a Batman LeBron that one year or whatever with the heat is, is Jimmy Butler playing. Cause he, he sat out the end of their last series, right? For the, I for think Miami? that was pure arrogance of their ability to win that series. Oh, was it? Um, so so from the sideline, he kept doing yeah. the I got big balls uh, thing and getting fined yeah. in, in yeah. street clothes. That's ph- phenomenal. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely leaning towards the heat then. They didn't even need one of their best players <laughs> to win the last series. I bet he plays in the second round. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's tough to pick Philadelphia with Embiid missing time and then having to come back and play with a mask on. That's always weird. I don't know if it's that easy to pick Philadelphia with Embiid. To be honest with you, like Miami's a really sound squad. So I think they're probably taking that series. And I do not believe James Harden can lead them to a win by himself in any situation. Last game then will be the Suns versus Dallas. Devin Booker is back and the Suns got fined $25,000 for not telling anybody he was back before game six. That's really sneaky stuff. Who's winning this series, Phil? With Booker coming back, I'm going to lean towards the Suns. They were the best team in the NBA all season. They've got some really high level talent up and down that roster, at least in their starting five. So I think they take this series, especially if, if Booker gets back and gets to his, his normal playing style and point production, they'll take it. I, I think it's the Suns Booker or not. Uh, it's not like Chris Paul's playing all that shitty. That guy is becoming almost ageless at that position yeah. to play yeah. as a high level as he's playing at. He had a perfect um, game. Yeah, Booker. Yeah, what was yeah, that? Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lenny Barker out there. Yeah, um, right. Like, yeah. I don't think Dallas has the firepower to match the Suns. Luca is sick, but they, they just don't have enough to, to keep up with that Suns team. So I think the Suns probably will take that series too. So we'll see if our second round predictions work out better than our first round predictions did. did. I hope they do. Real quick, USFL still playing. Birkingham Stallions beat Miller's New Orleans Breakers. Michigan Panthers playing Chuck's Pittsburgh Maulers. And for Coach Jeff Fisher's job, they beat up the Maulers today 24 to nothing. They went for two on every touchdown. But Jeff Fisher is now going like full Madden in the way he coaches in the USFL. Over under, how many minutes of the USFL did you watch this weekend? Over under is zero. It's a push. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm over. I have the game on right now. I have Phil's stars playing right now on my Oh, TV. wow. What's the score? I don't know. The stars <laughs> are up an, 10 to an three. Arby's commercial right now. I can tell you what Arby's is pushing, but not the game. Um, 10 to three. It's, it's stars a, are the up. biggest pub. They, 10 to three then. Yeah. yeah. They just, I think they just missed a field goal. When you, the biggest pub you get all week for this league is that a guy's at practice with a cigarette hanging out of his mouth and full pads. We're in trouble. Yeah. And that's the only yeah. image that they released yeah. this week that anybody cared about. I really wish I had never signed that contract guaranteeing we cover the USFL <laughs> every week in return for no money. But here we are. Go USFL. We'll see you next week. Fellas, with that, why don't we take our final break? We'll come back and talk some music.
Welcome back, fellas, to our final segment. We'll head off the field, and I want to talk about lesser-known bands, artists, singers, whatever category you want. Uh, this is an idea that kind of came to me last month when a band called the Gaslight Anthem, which is a group I'd never heard of until Chuck introduced me to them, I think at Tersic's wedding back in the day. They've become one of my favorite bands, and it's also a band that my wife and I can agree on. So we, we enjoy going to the shows together, but they made on this really cool social media run where they teased uh, their comeback. Cause they had taken a, a break. I guess they were on a break. So on a they, break. they have this comeback <laughs> and they, yeah, they were on a break. <laughs> and they're kind of teasing it on social media over a period of about a week. And everybody's kind of going nuts. Like, Hey, what does this video mean? What does the next video mean? Is there a new album? It's a 10 year anniversary of this one, whatever, whatever, whatever. But Gaslight was one of those first bands that I think I started to like without them being somebody that I was hearing played on the radio a bunch. Uh, so I'd like to talk to you guys about some of the bands that might fit a similar vein in your experiences. And I'm hoping it's a cool chance to talk about some music and maybe add 28 to 32 listens a week to these new artists from all of our fan base. I'm also really hoping we don't come off sounding like douchebags who think we know like, too much <laughs> about music because that's that's definitely a possibility in this type of conversation. So, you know, try to tamp down the douche a little, okay? <laughs> I think we're safe uh, there, man. Like we've done some deep dives on music and, and yeah. we, we, you know. But I think this is a type of category that always kind of comes with this, oh, I, you know, I found this cool band and I loved them before anybody else did. And like, I'm cool because of that. That's, that's the type of douchebag I'm looking to avoid. Yeah. Because uh, oh, I don't ever yeah. want to sound like that guy. But Phil, why don't we start with you? What's a band or a singer or a group that you're into that maybe people should be listening to more? Well, I'm going to go with uh, the Glorious Sons, which is a an alternative rock band out of Canada. Their style is more like a, it's kind of like Southern rock. There's a little bit of like, it's hard because they're, they're not exactly like anyone else. If you listen to, they've got three albums out. Uh, their most recent one, they might be working on a new one right now. Their most recent one was 2019. Their first one out in 2015. Their best one, in my opinion, was their second album. And I'll get into that as we answer the questions. They're kind of like a combination. Some of their songs sound like the, the Abbott brothers at times, because there's that like Southern rock kind of feel mm -hmm. to it. They move into a much more I don't even, I wouldn't even call them alternative rock. Like it's like just pure rock and roll and some of the other, like a lot of, a lot of guitar, a lot of drum, but then they throw in harmonica and piano and that kind of stuff as well. It's a cool group. Honestly, I was turned on to this group. So this, this is not me being a douche about it at all. I was turned on to this group by one of our best friends, Matt Miller, uh, saw them as an opening act and then saw them in town, like on a weeknight and randomly went to the house of blues. And as fate would have it, he's texting out to our group like hey i'm gonna go see this band you know it's spur of the moment kind of thing you guys should check them out and i happen to be at that moment just available to listen to music for like the next two hours unstop without stopping right i was in a perfect situation i just queued it up as soon as he sent out the text and i was like wow i had one of those moments that we've talked about in the past where it's this is not the best alternative rock band of all time <laughs> you know they're really good but it's one of those things that based on what i was feeling in the moment I don't know that I could have queued up a more perfect album than their second album, which was when he went and saw them in concert and their second album is called young beauties and fools. And it's, it's got four tracks on it that like spoke to me immediately based on what I was feeling at that time in my life. What is it about this band that people need to know? Like, what is it that, what's the thing that you love about them that other people should know about them? What they need to know. And, and so this is a, 
a less obscure band, right? That I'm going to compare them to. If, if you like the tone of the Lumineers albums where you're listening to Lumineers and it's like, all right, there's some good rock songs on this. And there's some other songs that it's like, all right, this is kind of a, I don't want to say that it's depressing, but you could tell their mood is somber, introspective. They're like, all right, I'm kind of sad and there's a lot of weight on my soul right now kind of thing. And that produces, and, and oftentimes that produces really good music. So that permeates all three of their albums. There are songs and, and we'll get into it. Some of my favorite ones that are really based on like, Hey man, I'm not doing really well right now. Uh, and I need to express that somehow. And they do. All right. So what are the songs that people need to be listening to? My favorite songs all come off of their second album. Their first album is good. Their most recent album is good as well, but their second album, my poor heart is my favorite song. So the songs I like on their second album, my poor heart, there's another one called SOS, but it stands for sawed off shotgun. So that's kind of fun. Um, and song. then, yeah, everything's all right. And then so much love to give. So those are my four favorite tracks. My poor heart is probably the one I played the most. That's the first one that like really hit me when Miller sent that out. And again, that was all about my, my state of mind at the time. I like the glorious sons a lot. That's a, yeah. that's a good group, man. I'm, I'm excited to hear that. Like you're listening to them and you've described their type of music perfectly. What, what's the best lyric in one of their songs? This is hard. Again, the timing is everything, but I, I went with a, 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 a lyric from so much love to give, which sounds like you're about to hear this sappy, soft love song. Right. And it is not that at all, at all. This is the <laughs> lyric that I, I like. And I listened to this a bunch today as I was trying to pick of those four songs, like what's my favorite lyric, right? So it starts off, I've got so much love to give. I might die on Saturday night and wake up on Sunday on the wrong side of paradise. I'm rehearsed and overdressed, but I'm a goddamn mess. But I've got a head on me, I swear. It's hidden in the back of the bar somewhere. Everything you've heard is true, but I can make it up to you. Yeah, I've got so much love to give. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's not a sappy love song at all. <laughs> no. no. I like it. Chucky, you're yeah. up, buddy. All right. Who should we know about? This is rough. It's a it, when you sent this out to us, I'm like, this is great. And I did the same thing Phil did, right? I, I have it down to like genre. Like I can go this way or this way or this way. But then I thought, what is the one band in the last 10 years that affected me the most on any level? Something that I could feel, something that sonically I liked. Um, and I've pushed them a little bit here and there uh, to the group of guys, but it's a group called the Lone Bellow. New York band, the lead singer. It's, it's hard to say lead singer is named Zach. Uh, and the story is the way this band came together. Uh, he had kind of done his own thing. It was more of like a lyricist and saying his wife uh, was in a horse riding accident and was paralyzed or they thought was paralyzed. So she's in the hospital. His friends come to him and say, hey, you should be journaling. You should write this down. You should learn how to play guitar while this is going through. Good news is uh, the, para the paralysis was temporary. That yeah, was that journal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the poems that he wrote were based lyrics for the first album. So he met two other people. They kind of came together, another guy, another girl. And for me, I found, and this is, this is the least douchey way to find out about a band. Say, Stop, don't be a douche about it. Right. So there was a time in my life where I didn't have cable or Hulu or YouTube TV. I had nothing. And I watched a lot of PBS. And one night I'm kind of like flipping through the channels with my now wife. And it was, I believe a special about Americana music. And I stopped when they were singing. It was just three voices. I'm like, who the hell are these people? They sound fantastic. I look them up. They're playing Cleveland the next day. I'm like, this is a sign from Jesus and the Lord above 
but I was really sick. Like I had a bad sinus infection, so I didn't go. Uh, but I fell in love with him that right Sorry, then and there, Jesus. like right then and there. <laughs> yeah. All right. He put, Jesus yeah. put them on a platter in front of him, like, this is the greatest band. You're going to love them. Uh, so uh, I made up for it by not seeing them then. I've seen them uh, in Buffalo twice, in New York City, in Cleveland, in Pittsburgh. Uh, the thing I love most about this band is the harmonies. Uh, there are listening to as much music as we do. For as long as we have, I think there's times where we become jaded to listening to music. Stuff doesn't hit you or it doesn't affect you. And then somebody cuts through or a band cuts through. And this was that band. It's rare for me anymore to feel something when I'm listening to certain types of music. But when I hear their harmonies, the first time I heard them, like the hair on my arm stood up in the back of my neck. And that's only happened like twice before. Seeing Fleetwood Mac uh, in Cleveland on the dance tour, like when we were in college. Uh, and then seeing a group, a country group called Little Big Town, who opened for George Strait in Cleveland, but we're doing Go Your Own Way, which is another Fleetwood Mac song. Yeah. So uh, to hear those kind of harmonies and their voices blend together, uh, that's what drew me to them. And they're kind of all over the place, right? Like their, their second album was produced by the lead singer of The National. Their third album was produced by Dave Cobb. So we're talking about Chris Stapleton, Sturgill Simpson, those kind of guys. Uh, they've opened up for Eric Church. Uh, so they like people love this group but they deserve such a larger platform to be discovered. I love them so much. I'm worried that it's kind of like their windows closing, if that makes sense. Like if you have Dave yeah. Cobb produce your album and not everybody has heard it at this point, I'm sad. That makes me really sad. But this is, this is the one band in the last like 10 years that made me stop in my tracks. And, and that was it. And every time something comes out, I try to see it. I try to hear it. I try to go see them at least once a year. Now I've heard of this group. I know for sure I've listened to some of their songs, um, but I don't know that I listened to them enough to, to know anything in particular, or know the names of any of the songs or anything like that. But uh, what songs should people be listening to? Teach Me to Know uh, is a great song. There's a song on the second album called Then Came the Morning, uh, which has That's the this song very... That's a yeah, great right. song. So, I know that one. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so it so it has this very, I don't know, spiritual is the right word, but it, it can sound like a hymnal. Like if you're because there's yeah. there's an underlying humming to the song that the other voices are doing. Uh, and then like one that's kind of out of left field is a song called Time's Always Leaving that is very upbeat. That is more like if we're talking about a, a church hymnal, this is more like a, a Sunday revival at night. Like it's a lot of foot stomping and hand clapping. Those are probably three songs that show you the spectrum of their talent uh, as a group. Those are the ones I'd go to. All right, best lyric. Uh, that one's super hard, man. Uh, there's a song called Long Way to Go. So the guy whose wife was paralyzed, he does most of the singing for the group, but uh, their guitar player, his name's Brian. And whenever he sings like one or two songs, there's always more there. The song starts with, I see the sunset in your eyes, know every line on your face, every time and every place. You got no secrets you can tell, no glory to sell. We got a long way to go. So what's happening here is you think, uh, if you listen to more of the song and the other verses, he's talking to himself. He's not, he's not talking to somebody else. Like you're, you know, he's not confronting a lover or a friend or anything. He's looking at himself in the mirror, delivering this unbelievably, at my age, in our life, where I'm at, poignant look at where I'm at in my life right now. Like, I can't fool myself anymore. I can't bullshit myself. I can't lie to myself <laughs> anymore. So that, that, that song right now hits me the hardest. Good deal. I, I like that we're all like somewhat close in our the genres that we chose. Uh, I went with the Drive-By Truckers, which is a band that's been around for a long time. And I think it's probably, I think maybe a little bit more 
popular than Gaslight Anthem was when I started listening to them or Paul Cawthon when we started talking about him. But they've been around for a long time. Uh, according to Wikipedia, their music style has incorporated elements of rock and roll, southern rock, country, punk rock, cow punk, pop punk, blues soul, southern soul, and R&B. So that's pretty much everything. I think I always come back to the same things when we're talking about music on this show is I love the songwriting. If, you, if you're writing good lyrics and they're smart lyrics and they're, like you guys are saying, that there's some inspiration in there or it moves you in some way, you're going to get me almost no matter what genre of music you're playing. I like these guys because I think they're not afraid to try to capture like a glimpse of where our country is or where our society is. They have a song called What It Means is this great snapshot of the contradictions and kind of the, the swirling passions around like race and gun violence in this country. That's a really hard thing to have a conversation with somebody about. It's a super duper hard thing to write a cool song about. Uh, so I, I like that songwriting aspect of them. They're prolific. They come out with a new album like every year almost. They came out with two in 2020. There's a much more productive pandemic than I had. <laughs> so I like DMX. <laughs> <laughs> One of their albums in 2016 is called American Band, has two songs on it, Ever South and What It Means. What I mentioned, both really, really great songs. They have another song called Too Much Sex, Too Little Jesus. Uh, there's a great version of that on their live album. Alabama ass whooping, which is another good one. Goddamn Lonely Love is like a really good, sad, kind of like brokenhearted breakup song. That's a really emotional one. They kind of go all over the place. Um, definitely a Southern rock. I, I like the punk aspect that you hear in a lot of their songs. They've got loud songs. They've got ballads. They've got thoughtful songs. They've got silly songs. I mean, it's just when you're doing two albums a year, you've got a lot of space to put a lot of different kind of stuff out there. And I think that's what they're doing. Best lyric I picked from one of the songs on American Band, Ever South, which is this great kind of history. One of the guys in the band must be Irish. Great kind of history of the Irish coming to America and like how they kind of developed their culture here in America and like what it means to these guys now. Very proud, like Southern Irish story that they're telling. But the the lines, it's the last stanza of the of the song. Let this blue-eyed Southern devil take you out upon the prowl with decadence and charm. We'll take it into town. Tell you stories of our fathers and the glories of our house always told a little slower ever south and that's where the song ends good song really good band and like i said there's a million things to listen to on spotify from drive-by truckers so definitely worth checking out but there we did it and i don't think we sounded douchey at all no not bad this fellas. is good no not at all <laughs> i will say chuck is chuck is the leader in the in the clubhouse though he's the only one that's put a song from his band on our shared playlist you oh, and I have not. All right. Yeah. 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 Oh. yeah. Well, so yeah, that'll there. probably change like tonight or first. Thing exactly on, right. right. <laughs> I think I got something to do uh, when we sign yeah. off tonight. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of not being douchey, let's talk winning time. Uh, episode <laughs> nine is coming out tonight. I think it's the second to last episode. 
So there's an awful lot to cover since they haven't even like started the playoffs yet. Uh, what are you hoping to see, Chuck? After last, which is a great episode. It was it was another really this this series is starting to hit a real stride here. Uh, and one uh, again, once I shut off my brain and said I'm not watching a thirty for thirty, I'm watching something to be entertained. The episodes get more entertaining. So what I'm, what I'm trying to see here is maybe storylines converging or being different because the last episode focused on turmoil in every aspect. So magic had turmoil by getting fleeced by Dr. J and Dr. Jerry Buss had turmoil by his mother and the coaches all have turmoil because Pat Riley doesn't trust whoever and they don't all trust each other. I'm hoping that these storylines kind of converge and I know where this is heading, at least I think I know where this is heading by history telling me where it headed. Yeah. Uh, so the thing I appreciate most now about this show too, as it gets deeper is every character on it is flawed, every one of them, and they don't hide that. And I'm glad they bring it to the forefront. Uh, so I'm hoping maybe uh, those flaws can be muted a little bit because it's, it's winning time at this point, right? We have two episodes left. Uh, it's the name of the show. Like I said, history tells us what really happens in this year. So I'm hoping we get to see some of that. There's a lot of things going on all at the same time at the end of the last episode. And knowing that there's only two episodes left, like, geez, like, you know, McKay is still in the picture. Like, how is that? How is that still happening? Like, you know, that that's lingering. And they're, they're only just past the all-star break, right? Like, they, you yeah. know, and they've just now introduced Dr. J to the, to the show and, and, you know, his words of wisdom for magic and those kind of things. So we've got two episodes left and, and maybe they've already got picked up for a second season. So maybe they know that this first season is just getting them to the end of magic's first season, but still that's going to cover a lot, right? In, in two hours of time, like we've got the rest of the regular season and all of the playoffs. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm, you know, I, I think these last two episodes, I agree with Chuck, these last two episodes have been two of the best episodes, I think of the series. So hopefully that continues. And in episode nine and 10, it has that same kind of feel a good balance between just the shit show. That is all the flaws of every, of every character and what's happening on the, on the floor as the Lakers come into their own and, and win the championship. Right. I mean, that's what we're looking at here, right? Like that's, that's Spoiler what's alert. happening. I didn't yeah. say it. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, historically, <laughs> don't they win it this year? I don't know. <laughs> It's funny that you you both kind of hit on the fact that all of the characters have these flaws. And unlike most sports history movies or shows, I guess, the, these guys have amplified the flaws of everybody to make the caricatures of them rather than, you know, most sports movies would go the other way. You amplify yeah. like the good qualities yeah. about somebody, yeah. you know, I'd like to see Paul West had grow up here and quit being such a bitch. <laughs> like if, yeah. if Jerry West is mad about how he's portrayed Westhead should be furious that he's just, they portray him <laughs> as this guy who can't make a decision, can't handle pressure at all. Just like weirdly quotes Shakespeare, like all the time, like, get out of here, man. This guy won, you know, a ton of games as an NBA coach. He's I'm mad for Paul Westhead. He deserves better. Uh, so hopefully, you know, he gets to kind of take the reins back over and uh, lead them to the title that we know that they win at the end of this year. If we get to it, I'm also really looking forward to our season recap of winning time where we can have some real good talks about casting because some of the casting is just fantastic in the show. Young David <laughs> yeah. Stern. Oh uh, yeah. Was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. Was awesome. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. That was yeah. great. Yeah. Uh, but boys, we are out of time. I am out of questions for now. And we just did the whole show without mentioning that Bobby Bradley is still not hitting his weight or the weight of a small child. 
With that sad news that Sexy may be leaving Cleveland any day now. I hope you guys have a great week. And let's get together and do this again real soon. Absolutely. Here, I gotta, I gotta show you. I don't know if you guys can see this in the camera, but the Miller Light cans with the hey. Guardians on it. I, I think it's Gerber nice. playing for the Guardians. Is what That's it is. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, That's fantastic. Right? Your arm <laughs> looks great in that. Yeah, look oh, at that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been working, Chuck. Like <laughs> there's, there's no one on the team that looks like that except there's like three of our friends that look like that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that could be. It does too, look. It, yeah, yeah, I know. It, it look. It looks like a, a mixture of all three of us, actually. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> awesome. Oh, that's good. All right. Well, that'll be the picture for all next right. week. This little conversation will be part of the outtakes. We're half done, fellas. All right. Barely all right. started. Yeah. Awesome. Let's just cut cut right to the music talk. Let's do it. <laughs> We better get started. I almost need another Gerber beer. <laughs> I, I, almost need an, I almost need another one. Uh, all right. Yeah, let's let's hit it. We're, we're all set. Yeah. All right. Phil, do you think you did you? <clears throat> hey, Phil. Hi, Gerbs. Here we go. <laughs> Our four best hitters this week. What an asshole. Um, our three best hitters this week. More games than May has tulips. Huh? No? All right. Uh, NBA playoffs. More crossovers than the metaverse. <laughs> NBA playoffs. Picking and rolling like a little kid who thinks no one is looking. <laughs> That's good. I like that one. Yep. You like that one? All right. NBA playoffs more blocks than a Lego factory. <laughs> NBA playoffs more shots than the third stop on a bachelorette party pub crawl. That's too wordy. That's a lot. <laughs> Go with the booger. The booger one's the yep, best. Yep. Booger one. <laughs> Pick it and roll. <laughs> yep. Um, Len Lenny Barker out there. Yeah. Um, right. I yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you got that a little later on yeah. the delay group. I appreciate it. <laughs> but yeah, the Suns are going to win the series. Okay, so I was wrong about Baker. He did not move before was, or during the I draft. Was right. Yep, yeah, Chuck was right. right and I was wrong. Um, I was right. Okay. So now what? I, I think <laughs> you. I think you hold on to him until uh, even even as training camps go on. You, you know, there's a couple yeah. teams out there that despite what they're telling the media, their quarterback situation sucks. <laughs> like, like, like right. Seattle, Seattle, yeah. Carolina, yeah. you know, these kind of Carolina. Come on. Yeah. Uh, and, I, don't, and I don't believe anything Houston. that's coming out of those teams right now yeah. where they're like, Oh, we're lukewarm on Baker. Go. He's, <laughs> he's, he's better day one than anyone they're trotting out there on either yeah. of those teams, including yeah. Houston as well. Um, but uh, you wonder too, like who gets added to that list with injuries and those kind of things. Um, I don't know if this is, we'd have to look this up. Um, if, and I don't think they're going to do this. I think they want, they want to move on from this guy, but, but I don't think the Browns would ever have to just cut him. Like if, if no one's willing to trade for this guy for even like, all right, give us a fourth round pick or whatever. No one's willing yeah. to do that. If they just held him on the roster 
and then he left last year, don't we get a compensatory pick? And it's like a third or fourth rounder. Like all the compensatory picks are third round, third round, fourth round. So at some point, like that's your bar. Like, all right, we're not going to trade him for less than a third if all we have to do is tell him to stay home for a season and make $18.9 million. Do you think they would do that? I don't know. Do you think they would say to him, like, hey, listen, nobody's nobody was interested in trading for you. We're not just giving you up for nothing by cutting you. So stay home. You're going to be on the team. <laughs> yeah. You're going to get yeah. paid $18 million. We don't want you anywhere near the facility. At the end of the day, we can't risk you getting exactly what the Texans did last year to Deshaun Watson. Do not come to mini camps. Do not come to any of that stuff. I hope that'd be great if he shows up, though, like ready to go. Best shape (laughs) of his life. I'm here to compete. I'm here. Let's go. (laughs) I don't know. It's interesting, man. I don't know if Baker would be the right. I don't know if he has the right kind of mentality to. No, no. To, yeah. to sit no no number two behind <laughs> behind watson and, yeah and not be yeah. just a disaster in the locker room well, that's uh, what i mean like you gotta move like on. yeah the, like the carolina thing was super real mm-hmm. and it came down to how much of the contracts the browns are willing to eat and it fell apart and they took they drafted the kid from north carolina but yeah. it's not like that's a great option for them you know so i i don't you know i hope it Baker, works out it'll work out somebody will get hurt so you know like but i i'm I like that Andrew Barry's kind of like digging in. So I'm not yeah. going to cut him. Yeah. We're not going to eat all the salary. There's value there. I mean, somebody, somebody, I want to see somebody. There's will a want lot him. of value there, or maybe I'm just an idiot. I don't know. No, maybe I he's don't a, know anything well, about football. There are, there are at least five teams right now in the NFL that, about, that don't have winning yeah. starting quarterbacks or even quarterbacks that have played in the NFL yet. You, you know, it's like, all right. So yeah. Baker's got to yeah. be a better option, yeah. you know, on you the right. Team. Yeah. It's, I don't think it's a, it's not a talent thing. I think it's a leverage thing. Like most teams know the Browns at this point have no leverage. Right. And they can just wait it out and see what happens. Yeah. Frankie Lindor, not doing too bad this year. Batting 280. His hair looks fantastic because I had it on for a minute before I put on this USFL game. Man, that's a wonderful. I hope Frankie snaps out of it. I'd like to see him have a good career, you know? Yeah. These last couple of years, yeah. he's been so bad. 10 10. New Jersey tied it up, Phil. Damn it. Oh, Phil. Yeah. God Do we need it. to hold off recording the last segment, Phil? So you can. I mean, it's seven let, minutes let left Chuck. in the third. So <laughs> it might hey, be a while. If you guys want to fall asleep, if you want to go yeah. take a nap, I'll wake you up. <laughs> if anyone. I want all I want to know is if anyone scores a touchdown and they go for three, let me know. Then I'll. Then I'll. Okay. Tune in. I'm going to turn a baseball game on. Have you looked to see if you can find the USFL on the Dofu app? Uh, I'm going to look right now. It's got to be on there. Everything's on there, though. I think cricket's on there. Why wouldn't the USFL be on there? When I tried, when I was in Iraq, the TV, one of the TV stations that we would get was like a, like an international sports channel out of Europe. And every once in a while, there'd be cricket on. And so I'd yeah. sit there and try to watch cricket and try to figure it out. And I could not. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. We, we spent some time in college trying to figure it out because it was on late night on even like ESPN or whatever. And we, right when we thought we figured out the scoring, something would happen that made no sense. We're like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> like, why did they? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's uh, It looks like an awesome game to play though. If I knew the rules. <laughs> 
I don't know. Like, I think games last like an entire weekend. It's one of, yeah, it's one of those things. It's like Monopoly or chess. It could last like days until like yeah. something has to yeah. happen for it to yeah. end. Like, what the I hell? Like it's too much. No interest. I don't need yeah. spring football. I don't need cricket. <laughs> <laughs> too much to try to keep up with. Uh, Tammy sent me a text about five minutes into Paul Cawthon's set. And she said, uh, this is some Kenny power shit. <laughs> it's actually a really good, um, yeah, that's actually his a really good explanation. Did he play uh, a lot from his most recent album? Was that the most of the, it was most of it. He played, yeah. um, he played country as fuck. He played um high heels um caught me at a good time uh country clubbing country coming down those might have been the songs yeah, in the new album yeah it's the whole damn album then That's, yeah it's like half of it yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah right yeah um and you know it was like I mean, he probably played for an hour and a half hour and 20 minutes i mean oh he, wow it perfect was, um, yeah exactly yeah so what'd you guys do because the, the concert was friday night right so what'd you guys yeah. do last night just like head out yeah so we did um we were staying in broad ripple which is <laughs> awesome awesome little part of town yeah. uh the millers were downtown and so like the show was in broad ripple friday so we were all there friday night um and so on saturday afternoon we went downtown and met up with them we went to St. Elmo's Steakhouse, which is mm-hmm. yeah, it's like a good the place. place where all the uh, Miller says it's where all the GMs go to like oh. do all their deals like during the combine. During the combine, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. It's a world yeah. famous shrimp cocktail. So we had a bunch of shrimp cocktail, like twenty <laughs> world bucks famous. a pop. <laughs> world <laughs> famous, because because there's a lot of ocean in Indianapolis. <laughs> yeah, that's right. There's a neon sign in one of the windows. World famous shrimp cocktail. Yeah, oh, it's like boy. it's like the world's greatest cup of getting. coffee. Congratulations! Congratulations. <laughs> Good old world's greatest. Yeah, you did it. <laughs> you did it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Yeah. yeah. How was uh, the attendance at the show? I'm always interested to hear. It's packed. I mean, it's, it's, a, great. it's a small theater, right? Um, yeah. But uh, I couldn't, I couldn't estimate for you how many people were there. But it was, it was full. The whole floor was full. They had some like seating and like balcony areas and stuff like that. Those were all full. I mean, it was nice. Like they couldn't have put too many more people in there, from what I could see. That's good. Um, yeah, yeah. I feel like that's the level that dude's at. That's the yeah. That's the the venue he sells out is something like that. Maybe. I don't know, maybe 2,000 people, 1,500 people. Good crowd. It's a lot of, even right. it's 1,500. Yeah. 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 We get well, 30 I mean, listens a week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's because we don't have balcony seating. <laughs> That's true. Um, yeah, man, I think. We just <laughs> more seating. That's, that's a key to our podcast that's success. That's, that's it. it. More seating. That's right. We need a VIP <laughs> mezzanine that's level right. yeah. to podcasting. Live, a live studio audience. <laughs>
funny. Funny like the clown near the museum?